0: in great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, and love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. And I have to confess that, you know, there's either I don't want to talk about it or I won't talk about it. I'm not sure which, but I keep landing on Ezekiel 18. And in the first three verses, it's the word of the Lord came to me again saying, what do you mean when you use the proverb concerning the land of Israel saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord, you shall no longer use this proverb in
1: Israel. You obviously know what this means, or you wouldn't keep landing on it. There must be something going on here. Oh, just pray for me. Oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll pray for you. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for wisdom. We thank you for clarity. We thank you for the ability to share your word. And we certainly hope that we are clear in what we are proclaiming from your word in this time in your precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so obviously, you know what you're doing if you're, if you're coming to Ezekiel 18 and, and going, I keep going back there. There's too many people. I, I love to present this in a, in a little different format, which is uh, I am talking to a family and I see some things that are going on and, and I'll relay some of those types of things and I bring them to this passage and I go, well, here's what's going on the fathers are eating sour grapes and the children are setting their teeth on edge. (laughs) Of course, that really doesn't mean anything at that point in time, right? Okay, I don't normally hear someone speak that way. That's right. And and, and few people do. So what you basically do at that point in time, I, I ask them, so what do you think that means? The fathers are eating sour grapes and the children are setting their teeth on edge. And I get them to, try to picture that, to make sure that they see the picture. Okay, picture a father Standing over here, about four or five yards, or maybe let's just make it fifteen yards away, or thirty feet away from the kids. Across the room, across totally the across the room, and the father has some sour grapes, and the father's eating those sour grapes. And then you pan back with the camera and see, you know, four or five kids standing here. They don't have any sour grapes, but what's showing up on their face? <laughs> this this. Ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh, type of look that they're having on their face. OK, that's the picture that I want you to have in your mind here.
0: I'm already salivating. And my lips are puckering. <laughs> I'm there yeah. because
1: those sour grapes is exactly right. And that's what's happening with these kids. They don't have the sour grapes, but the father does. OK, and then the Lord goes, I never want to hear that proverb ever again in the land. It's not the only time that God has stated this, by the way. You can see some of those other examples. But instead of reading verses 4 through 19, let me just give you a a basic summary of 4 through 19. Then we can land on what is going on here. Here's what happens in 4 through 19. The Lord says... There was this father who did everything wrong. He defiled his neighbor's wife. He lifted up his eyes to idols. He did everything that was wrong. And then he had a son who did everything that was right. He had a son that paid attention to what I wanted him to do. He obeyed the law. He did all things that I wanted him to do. And then that son had a son who was... A total reprobate again. He was a robber, a shedder of blood. He did all these things wrong. So it gets down to verse 19, basically, and asks a very, very important question. And that question is saying, so who should live and who should die? Verse 19, yet you say, why should the son not bear the guilt of the father? Well, the father was sinning. Shouldn't the son bear the guilt of the father? Or because the son has done what is lawful and right and has kept all the statutes and observed him, he shall surely live.
0: Well, this is easy as I'm listening to you speak. I'm thinking, doesn't it tell me someplace else
1: to the fourth and fifth generation? Excellent insight. Excellent insight, because that ties directly into this particular passage. We'll weave this together with some practical examples so people can understand what, what's going on here. But here you have one man who does everything wrong. He has a son who does everything right. And then he has a son who does everything wrong. Well, don't we trust that Exodus 20 verse six is right, that the sins of the fathers will be visited unto three, and four generations? See, that ties in to, into this directly. That is a key part of what they're trying to talk about here. Well, it's my father's fault that I am the way that I am. Now, just think about that. Get that picture back in your mind that you have the father over here eating sour grapes. He's the one eating the sour grapes, but the kids are, you know, acting out. The kids are the ones that have the ew, 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 on their face. So that's that proverb. That's what that proverb is saying. It's a picture of Exodus 20, verse six. They're blaming their father for how they've turned out. That's the issue of here, what's happening That's here. That's not exactly an uncommon occurrence. It is not an uncommon occurrence. It is a very common occurrence.
0: So can I throw my mom in the mix, too? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Without a doubt, we can do it for any of our f- uh, former family system. You know, all the way to grandparents, you know, we can start blaming that our, you know, if our grandparents hadn't been the way they did, you know, I wouldn't be where I am right now.
0: Well, you know, many of the times that I've heard somebody say, you wait till I get to heaven, I'm going to find
1: Adam. (laughs) Well, that's, that's a great way to think about it. From that simple viewpoint, it's very easy for us to sit here and go. Dad, Jim, that Adam and Eve, I wouldn't have to be putting up with all this junk that I'm putting up with if they had just made the right decision. Well, we're going to find out something based on this passage to help us think differently. Because, yes, Exodus 20 is very, very true that in a family system, what you have done in that family system, what you are doing right now, whether it's good or bad, If it's good or bad, it's going to be visited three and four generations down, especially if it's bad. If you look at Exodus 20, verse six and read the end part of it, I don't It may be verse seven by the time it says this, but to the thousands, you know, if you do what is right, it'll be multiplied to thousands. That's a really important issue. If there's sin, it's going to go into the generations. But if you do what's right, it blossoms out into thousands. That's a very interesting concept there. I'm just
0: thinking, bless God for his mercy and math. (laughs) That's
1: right, That, that it's not as bad, maybe, if you are in sin. The issue is, yes, we will have a tendency to look at our environment, look at our parents, look at our family system, and start blaming them. So that is the answer that God starts giving to us in verse 19, because after the proverb is quoted, and then God specifically says, I never want to hear that again. Don't do that. And I'll give you a specific example. This this person was sinning, and then he had a son that didn't sin, and then that son was sinning, and then it ends up with verse 19, why should the son not bear the guilt of the father? That's what they're thinking, Exodus 20. But here's the big issue. Look at this. Verse 20, the soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the sin. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. What is it that the Lord was saying right there? Very clearly, I never want to hear you blame your parents for how you have turned out and I never want to hear a parent blame their child for the way they've turned out either. Isn't that interesting? He turns it both ways. He's basically saying, I never want to hear it either direction. So we can cover that a little bit further and make it a little bit more practical and and, uh, share with you uh, right after the break.
0: Okay. Well, it sounds like you're telling me because
1: I'm accountable. Ooh. We will be back after the break. Herman, what chapter in the Great Relationships material do we need to This is all in Chapter 6. We don't have all the details here in Chapter 6, but it is in Chapter 6, the first section. So
0: it starts there, and if you don't want to hear that you're accountable, don't come back. But we will be back right after this. You're listening to Great Relationships. GreatRelationships.com. com.
2: Great Quotes from God's Word for Great Relationships. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others as better than himself, Philippians 2, 3. Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right Thinking, Right Relationships, Right Now.
3: You know how you're always praying for a sign from God that you're meant to go to seminary? This is your sign. Seriously, I'm here to tell you about Grace. Grace School of Theology. It's free grace based. The professors are world class. It's accredited, accessible, attainable, and oh yes, it's affordable. You can even complete your entire degree online, which means you don't have to move. Wouldn't it be great to have a deeper knowledge of the Word of God? Write this down, www.gsot.edu gsot.edu or call 877-476-8674 877-476-8674 now get going.
0: Hello, you're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing pest best in work and life in love. Right thinking for right relationships right now and right now, material in chapter 6, but we're looking at Ezekiel 18. The word of the Lord came to me again saying, What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb
1: in Israel. Yeah, and what we just got through saying is the fact that that statement does actually have a biblical foundation back into Exodus 20, verse 6. The sins of the fathers will be visited onto the children three and four generations. So here we have the children of uh, Israel uh, that are in exile that Ezekiel is talking to. And these people are in exile and they're basically saying, if my father or if our parents or if that generation hadn't sinned, I would be still in the land and I wouldn't be here in exile. That's what they're basically saying. And God sets the record straight. You know what's interesting? You mentioned it's in
0: other places in the Bible. Five that I can immediately find, but the most mm-hmm. prominent is in Jeremiah, mm-hmm. right? And it occurs in Jeremiah thirty-one twenty-nine through 31. Mm-hmm. But here's what's interesting. I was saying all that to get to this. Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven. everybody knows. Yeah. For I know the plans I've made for you.
1: Right, right.
0: So he first starts saying, I know the plans I've made for you. And then right after he gets done saying it, he immediately goes here.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it's so interesting because what God does with this also is... He flips it on its edge also. It flips it around to make make it uh, very, very important to realize not only are children not to blame their parents for the way that they've turned out, but parents aren't to blame their kids for how they turned out. The issue for us, and God specifically says, the soul who sins shall die. Okay, that part's not so good. That That is not great at all because... What is it that God is saying? The person who does right is going to live. The person who does what is wrong is going to die. And that doesn't mean that you as a Christian, just because you've sinned, you're not going to be in heaven with the Lord. That is not the issue here. What we're talking about is the very issue of being responsible for your own actions. That's the first place we want to go.
0: Okay, because you know there are people that use this verse to say...
1: If you're sinning, you're not saved. That's the way that they can take this, and that that would be taking it too far. That's taking it to the place where it doesn't belong. Now, there is some additional really important teaching on this to help us understand. But before we go there, let's take a look at this from the viewpoint of a parent and a child and help people understand what we call the principle of separation. There is a very distinct element of our society right now where the parents are putting so much attention on the child. that It's almost like they're living through their children. It's almost like they're having their identity tied up with their child. This passage is a good place to go to help that not happen. Okay. So let me try
0: this then. Two different compare and contrasts. Right. I know a lot of people who either alcohol and promiscuousness come out of if my father and my mother would have loved me better, I wouldn't be seeking this kind of attention in this way. First point. The second point is, is I see a whole lot of parents living through their children to such a degree that I know people that have taken their children out of public school and are homeschooling them because that then allows them to respond better to the athletic pre-olympic hopeful schedule for their
1: child exactly it it works both ways and here we have the answer to that both of those situations right here in this particular passage that's what's so interesting okay help me with this yeah the very first thing that i like to work with is parents to help them understand that yes you are responsible to stand before god as to whether you have done a proper job as a parent Now, yes, we're going to all make mistakes as parents. Yes, you are probably imperfect, (laughs) most likely imperfect in the way you parented, but you are not finally responsible for the decisions the child makes. It's very important for parents to grab that and understand that I can go to the Lord and I can confess to the Lord how I was not only a bad husband, but I was also a bad father. And I'm not saying this from the viewpoint of. Oh, well, I get forgiven for that. So no big deal. Yes, I do have some regrets if I think about it. But if I get into the Bible and understand the forgiveness of the Lord, it's easier to trust in his perfection. God is perfect. He knows what all went on. Therefore, I need to stand up today And when I'm convicted of the sins that I had as a father, I confess them. But in this particular passage, it's specifically saying to me something that's very, very powerful. I don't have to be continually weighted down if any of my children continue to make bad mistakes, even if I was part of helping that happen now that sounds like I'm off the hook no I'm not off the hook I don't get any rewards that I a great father would have been provided that's where I'm going to end up suffering loss if you want to think of it that way But I'm not responsible for the decisions that my children are making, whether they're good or bad. I can't look at my children and go, wow, look at what a great job I'm doing because of them. Look at at the wonderful things they're doing. That's me. That's because of me. Well, yes, I had something to do with it, maybe. But in reality, that's their decision. That's what this passage is trying to say to us. It's basically saying, if that child is doing something great, that's their decision. If that child is doing something lousy, that's their decision in Both situations, they're accountable for.
0: Okay, well, two things come to mind. Uh, the first is First John one nine, mm-hmm. right? It rest forgiveness. Forgiveness restores relationship, but doesn't necessarily absolve the consequence. Right. Exactly. Okay. So I'm a bad parent. or I'm a bad child. And I pray and, and God forgives me because I've asked for it. That restores our relationship. But I've got consequence. And the reason why I bring that up is because I think to remember Jesus saying in the scripture, bad thing to be a stumbling block to others. Right. Right. So how do I mitigate all of this?
1: It all comes down to verse 20 again. Notice in verse 20, it basically says the soul who sins shall die. That basically is saying, I don't care how bad your situation is or how good your situation is. It totally depends on your decisions. Now, how do I know that for a fact? Because if you just go on and read the next next verses here and I don't want to uh, uh do too much reading of that but but, it's really important for us to to see what's going on here All right. well I've got a question what if I've got a life full of sin if you got a life full of sin that's exactly what these next verses are saying here so let me read it to you verse 21 but if a wicked man turns from all his his sins which he has committed keeps my statutes and does what is lawful and right he shall surely live he shall not die none of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he has done he shall live do i have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die says the lord god and not that he should turn from his ways and live But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity and does all according to the abominations that the wicked man does, does he live? Shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin he's committed because of them he shall die. Now, here is what's so interesting. Now, just get the picture of what's going on there. Here we have he just got through saying, look, it's not you can't as a child, you can't blame your father. And as a father, you can't blame your child for the way they've turned out. You are responsible for your own life, father, child. You're responsible for your own life. And now he takes it even different. He's basically saying, okay, wait, wait, wait. Now Let me explain it a little further. Here's a person that was in complete iniquity, and he changed his mind, and he turned to me. I'm going to let him live. And here is, a, here is a person that was doing what was right, and he became turned into iniquity. I'm going to let him die. We'll talk about that <laughs> right after the break because this is really important stuff, let me tell you. I'm
0: not liking this stuff. And, you know, if you, if you came with us back from the first break, I hope you will again. <laughs> again, Great Relationships is the website. That's grnumeral Chapter 6 is the material. Or more frighteningly, read for yourself, Ezekiel 18. We'll be back right
2: after this. Great Quotes for Great Relationships. That woman was taken from man no more implies the inferiority of woman to man than the taking of man from the ground implies the inferiority of man to the ground. Nor does the term helper connote subordination. Dr. Eugene Merrill. Great Relationships. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right Thinking. Right Relationships. Right Now.
4: Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem, and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment each of great relationships 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you could squeeze into a coffee break so if you've had time to listen to this promotion you have the time to sign up and start today visit our website at greatrelationships.com that's gr numeral eight relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter pursuing the best in work in life in love right thinking right relationships right now
0: welcome back you're listening to great relationships pursuing the best in work and life in love i just have this to say about this and bless god it's in the bible verse 25
1: this is not fair (laughs) that great that the Lord brought that right there? Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's the natural consequence of all this. Okay, the father's eating sour grapes and children setting their teeth on edge. Well, here's this son. He did everything right. And he had a son who didn't do anything right. And then he had a son who did everything wrong. Now, who's going to live and who's going to die? So here we are. And the Lord says, well, the soul who sins is going to die. That's what that's what's going on here. And I never want to hear a child blame their parents for how they turned out. And I never want to hear a parent blame their children for how they turned out, because it is an individual decision that I'm going to be judging, because here's another example is what the Lord is saying. Suppose that somebody who was doing all this iniquity turns from their sin. Well, I'm going to let them live. But here's a situation that the person was doing everything right and then he turns into a, into iniquity I'm gonna let him die well that's not fair you know I I got put into this world and I'm been put into a world of sin all because Adam and Eve made a bad decision that's just not fair Lord that's, exactly <laughs> and that's exactly what this is basically saying you know and again get the picture like I said in in the last block where uh, where these two These Israelites are in exile, and it would make total sense that they're looking back and wishing that they were back in the land. They weren't in exile, and they're looking at Exodus 20, verse 6, and saying, it's my father and my mother and that generation that was in sin. I didn't do it. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. And God's going, nope, that isn't how it works you are responsible for your own life and your own decisions because that is what's going on here now just think about this here's another wonderful piece of detail that we want to pay attention to in verses 25 through 29 okay God is interested in your choice now it doesn't matter what you've done in the past these verses are saying The Lord is completely fair because he's not going to hold the past against you or for you, but he is going to look at your decisions that you're making right now. That's what he is going to hold you accountable for. That is a powerful, powerful message that we miss from this particular passage. He's basically saying you could have been the biggest reprobate on the face of the earth, but then you recognize that that was wrong and you decide that my way is right. I'm going to let you live. At the same time, you were doing all these wonderful things and then you got deceived or you decided to just live in sin you're going to die for that, or you're going to pay the punishment for that. That is very important information for us to know, because that is the way that we end up trying to claim that the Lord's not fair. And the Lord's going, no, it's totally fair. It's what you're deciding right now. It's not based on the past. It's what you're deciding right now. Now, like we
0: say in Africa, now, 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 Uh. now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's current, reality. That's the way you want to be thinking about this. So the Lord is basically giving us some very, very clear instruction that it's the same instruction that we've been trying to talk about in relationships all the time. If you want a good relationship, you start at home, meaning I'm going to pursue their best whether they care about me or not. I'm not going to blame them for the way this relationship is going. I'm going to look at my own actions and I'm going to pursue their best. Well, that's the essence of what God is telling us right here about your life in general. You can't blame somebody else for the way you've turned out, especially not your parents. You can't blame anything other than your own choices because God has revealed his truth to the entirety of all of his creation, you have decided to ignore it. And if you are not making godly decisions right now, it's going to work against you. That's what God is saying. And if you have been living a reprobate life and you recognize God's truth and you turn to it, God is going to go, wonderful, cool. That's what I want from you. Make good decisions right now.
0: Well, you tell me, always remember that
1: I have a perfect God amen and that's the issue if you have one thing to remember remember I am responsible to make right choices right now I'm not responsible for what's happening in the future, and I'm not responsible for what's happened in the past at this point because it's already happened. I am responsible to turn from our wicked ways and do what's right now. That's what I want you to recognize. Do what is right right now.
0: So is that why we say hello and welcome to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work and life and love because? Right thinking,
1: right relationships right Right now. now. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly the point. It's all in the present you got to be paying attention to that.
0: It's all in the present. So my two takeaways here, I guess, because there's always the one, but I'm getting two here. One is always remember that I have a perfect God and that this is God at work in my life. And depending on what I choose in the future, I'll, I'll either learn or I will regret what I chose. Well, there you have it, materials in chapter six. And we'd love to hear from you at greatrelationships.com or drop us a letter at greatrelationships.com. P.O. Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Great relationships pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now.
2: How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings, too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great! I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow! I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing! I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great.
4: Have you ever had days like this? (laughs) Neither have we. That's why we recommend Great Relationships. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others. Kindly, patiently, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.